0: The school is out! Which means it's time for high kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the High Kids Show. My name is Ronal Silverstone and I am 11 years old. This is High Kids for Kids by Kids. So today on the High Kids show I'll be speaking to Michelle Mo. She is an animal behaviorist. What is an animal behaviorist? So listen kids, don't go away! We have a very interesting show. Also on the show, I have a tongue twister to challenge your mouth and a high kid riddle to challenge your brain. Here are the details if you have any questions for my guest, Michelle, or if you want to say hi to your friends and family. The SMS number is 34519 and is charged at 1 Rand 50 cents. You can send me a WhatsApp on 061 895 1019 and please don't forget to sign your name. You can also call us on 010 140 3020. So please, kids, call us, call us, call us. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Rinald Silverstone, and I am 11 years old. And thank you for tuning in to 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids, for Kids, by Kids. Good afternoon, Michelle How are you today?
1: Very well, and yourself? I'm good. Excellent.
0: (laughs) Can you explain
1: to me what a dog behaviorist is? Well, a behaviorist is somebody who studies the expected behavior of an animal. We have something called an ethogram. An ethogram is the expected behavior of whatever species we're studying. So if we're studying a dog or a cat or a horse, we have certain things that we expect from them. So let's say with a dog, we expect an animal to have four legs. We expect it to have a coat. We expect it to be able to vocalize, whether it's going to bark or whether it's going to howl. That's expected. We know that dogs dig That's an expected behavior. (laughs) Um, and uh, then we have various things that differ from breed to breed. Some dogs are bred to hunt. Some dogs are bred to Herd other animals Some dogs are bred as guarding animals um, Some dogs are bred as companion animals Some dogs are bred like huskies to pull sleds And we then devise an ethogram for each one of those animals So we know what the normal expected behavior is So if there is any behavior that is abnormal or unexpected, we can then look at the breed or the type of the dog, whatever is happening within its environment, and we can try and resolve the problem with its family, its human family.
0: Hmm. Wow. So at what age of dogs can you train them?
1: Any dog, look, a dog shouldn't leave its mother until it's after 10 weeks because it's still a baby and it learns normal behavior from its mother. If you take it away from its mother when it is very, very young... Where is it going to get the example from to behave like a dog? if you had to yeah. take a dog when it was when its eyes just opened and bring it to your home, it would learn how to behave like a human, not like a dog
0: that 's cool though <laughs>
1: no it 's not that good because it confuses the animal terribly ah. so um, a dog is a dog you know, yeah, that's this is true. what it is it 's a dog a cat yeah. is a cat, so we prefer them to stay with their moms till at least ten weeks old so they learn how to behave like a dog. Their mom will teach them something called bite inhibition. So when a puppy plays with you, it quite often uses its teeth and it doesn't realize that it's hurting you. If it stays with its mom and its siblings up until that age, 10 to 12 weeks, if it bites a sibling, the other sibling will yelp and run away. So the dog will learn that this is not a good idea because then my playmate leaves me. Whereas with us, if a puppy was to bite us, Quite often, humans respond by smacking the puppy. So the puppy has no idea what he's done wrong because he's been doing what is normal for a puppy within a puppy environment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we believe that as soon as a puppy comes to you, which is preferably after 10 weeks, the same with a kitten, that is only when you would start its very basic training.
0: Uh, I see. So... Can you train any breed of dogs, or is it only certain? No,
1: there is any breed and any crossbreed that we can train. What we are not wild about training is when we have hybrids, where somebody takes a wild animal, crossbreeds it to a domestic animal, obviously within the same species, canis, which is dog, or felis, which is cat, because we're then sitting with an animal that has got the ethological behaviour of a wild animal that has to hunt to live, And a domesticated animal, which is a companion, and this can cause a problem for the animal because in one part of it says, I want to love you and be with you, and the other half says, I want to chase you and hunt you. (laughs) So that creates dreadful confusion. So any other normal um, mix of breeds or purebred dog or cat uh, we can we can train them with love, with positive reinforcement, not by being cruel to them and aggressive yeah. to them and hurting them, but by teaching them that it is something they enjoy and they are happy to do it for us because they care for us.
0: Wow. So what made you choose to become a dog behaviorist?
1: Um, about, oh, probably about 20 years ago, a gentleman called Professor Uddendahl started the very, very first course in South Africa through the University of Pretoria at the veterinary faculty. Mm. It was the first time in South Africa there was ever going to be behavior um, training uh, or courses for people who were interested. And we had to apply for it. We had to have experience in animals. And there were a whole lot of us, and we applied. We were able to get into the faculty, and we completed our training through the University of Pretoria. Unfortunately, that training is no longer available through the University of Pretoria. Oh, no. (laughs) And then we were able to go on, uh, a few of us were able to go on to the University of Technology in Pretoria and qualify as um, in our senior behavioral work, and I qualified in both dogs, cats, and horses. Oh, wow. Hmm.
0: So you can train...
1: It's not necessarily training. It's 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 changing a behavior pattern. Uh, so if an animal is doing something that um, is really not good for the family or for the animal, and we need to then change that behavior so that the animal um, is not in any way um, in danger of of being hurt or being abandoned because the people don't want it, and that the the family is happier with how. So in other words, a dog that barks continually. Okay, And the family are concerned because the neighbors are are complaining, so we would have to find out why is the dog barking and try and change the dog's pattern of thinking so that it no longer feels obligated to bark that much because then the family are less likely to give the dog up for adoption. And the family are going to be happier because the dog isn't barking, and the neighbors are going to be happier because the dog isn't barking. So that's what we do. We change a behavioral pattern.
0: But how would you do that?
1: We'd have to see what the triggers were that made the dog bark. So, for example, Mm -hmm. if we take um, something like a Jack Russell Terrier, they are bred or any of your short legged terriers, terriers are hunting dogs. They were bred to hunt small animals like rats and, and things like that. So if they're in a in your yard and they see a rat running, they're gonna start barking at it, and then it's gonna run away and they're gonna get frustrated because they couldn't get near it and they're gonna continue barking. So um we would say to you, Well, let's have a look at making sure that your environment is free of rats. A silly thing like a dog that is bred for um, protecting a property and the postman comes along or the chap that comes along for your newspaper and the dog comes along and he sees the man coming to the yard and he barks at the dog, at the guy and the guy then puts the newspaper down and he walks away. The dog thinks he's chased him away. So then he barks, wow, wow, whoa, wow, I won, I won. And then the next person comes past and he starts barking at them because he thinks he can chase them as well. But maybe he can't chase them Maybe they just stop and look at him Gets frustrated and he barks even more yeah. So we have to look at a solution for the dog Within its environment mm, yeah. But a lot of the time the dog is just doing What comes naturally to it For example a dog that is bred to God And somebody comes to the gate
0: Yeah for sure But if there is like another dog mm. Why would it bark at that dog?
1: <clears throat> because it's competition uh. Remember, we're, we're inclined to be a lot more friendly. Our nature says to us that we should be friendly to other people. Um, whereas with this dog, it could maybe the other dog's bigger than it. Maybe the other dog's got bigger eyes or a bigger body, and it feels threatened. Maybe that dog, as a small dog, was bullied by its siblings. Maybe the home that that dog was in, the people were rough with it, and they hurt it. So mm-hmm. therefore, yeah. it sees another animal coming, and it feels threatened. So what are you going to do? You've got a choice. You can run away. You can ignore it, or you can fight. Those are your three options. Flight, fight, or freeze. So now the dog is in the yard, can it run away? No, not really. (laughs) It can't. So it's only other options now is to freeze, in other words, just lie down on the ground and pretend the other animal isn't there, or to try and bark and chase the animal away. So it's going to do one of those three things. And if yeah. it's not the type of dog who's just going to lie down, then it's going to bark at the other dog in an attempt to chase it away because it feels threatened.
0: So how would you like try to make them stop to do that?
1: Well, everything depends on the owner's input. They're, well, I don't like using the word owner. You know, an animal yeah. in South uh-huh. Africa is classified as property. So property means that... Um, This this snake poster that we've got in front of us here That means if I'm giving that to you It becomes your property So if I take it and I tear it up You'll be very angry because I've damaged your property So if I come to your house And I kick your dog I have damaged your property Property sounds inanimate It sounds like it's something that's not alive So I prefer to say you're the guardian of that animal Because you are And that's your companion It's a companion animal and you actually make the decision whether an animal is happy or unhappy. Yeah, that's so true. I would have to come to you and say to you, okay, so we've got a problem with this. We need to try and stop this dog barking. Has this dog ever been bitten by another dog? Because that would explain its fear of other dogs. Yeah. Has it been socialized? Can you think if your mom had kept you inside until you first went to school and you'd never seen other children? Oh, no. You <laughs> would panic when you saw that. So a lot of people don't realize that the puppy... Or a kitten needs to be socialized. Maybe the dog wasn't socialized, so now we might need to take it out and very carefully socialize it with non threatening dogs, first of all. Maybe dogs smaller than itself, so it doesn't feel threatened, and then build up until its confidence builds and it doesn't feel threatened anymore.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. So, <coughs> what other jobs do you have or do you do?
1: Ooh. I'm a humane education um, educator. In other words, I go to schools and organizations because we know for a fact that if somebody is cruel to animals, Mm -hmm. as they get older, they will become cruel to humans. They'll start off with hurting animals because animals, very small animals like kittens, puppies, mice, birds, can't hurt them back. And then they will build up until eventually they will get to the point where they will hurt people. They'll start with children and they'll hurt humans. So we try and teach people to have respect for all sentient beings, everything that's alive. So if you saw a beautiful rose, would you rush over to the rose bush, rip the rose off and stomp on the bush? No. No, because you have respect. And remember, our concept is different because we see it as a creation of Hashem.
0: Yeah.
1: But not... Everybody thinks the same way as we do, so quite often we have to go in and try and explain to people that that this whatever it is, it's a living a plant is living. It lives. We know that it's yeah. got cells in it. It lives. Like Respect it. Needs it. To exactly. Carry Respect on it. An animal. So we we might not like snakes. We might be afraid of snakes. Does that mean that if we see a snake, we're like going to, to throw it. rocks at it and and smash it to death? No, we would rather avoid it. Yeah. Rather go out of your way to get out of its way. Um, respect it, it was also created. Respect its right to live. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean I should harm it. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm very afraid of parrots. I would never harm one.
0: Yeah, I've just been bitten. A...
1: I've been bitten severely by parrots. So I have a lot of respect for them, and also the necessity to have respect for living creatures. That's yeah, so important. Yeah. Remember that sympathy for something is. I can show you a picture of an injured kitten, and you can go, oh, shame. That's sympathy. But if I was to show you a picture of a badly abused animal and it would catch you in your heart, that's empathy. Empathy isn't something you can teach anybody, but you can help them develop. Um, In our society in South Africa, we have this terrible scourge of dog fighting, And we have children as young as eight years old involved in it. So what are they learning? They're learning that it's perfectly okay... To rip some living creature apart. Oh, no. So, what respect would they have for a human?
0: Yeah. If, if, if it's
1: fine to watch two dogs rip each other to shreds and kill each other, would they stop if they saw you being beaten up in the street?
0: No. Probably they would
1: just not. Walk past. So, this is why we, I go into schools and I teach humane education. Um, I also work with a lot of animal welfare and I teach them how to handle animals that are afraid. Um, you know, animals can't talk to us and say to us, "I am scared." They use yeah. what we call vivid signals. They yawn, they lick their lips, they roll their eyes, um, they turn their heads. They've got a lot of signals they give us, and if you don't know those signals, you won't know that animals are afraid. Yeah. So we teach this. I go into schools and I teach this, and I teach this to animal welfare inspectors and veterinarians. And yeah, so, so I just uh, work with animals, four breeds of animals.
0: So you go to schools, or do you stay at the school, or do you like just go
1: there to teach? We no, we we like to. I like to try and get into a school to establish a humane education program, and then we try and find champions at that school. Oh, wow. who can continue with that type of thing young people who can actually become champions for the cause of animals we're not oh, wow. saying animal rightsists. we don't want that but just so that people are aware of and acknowledge the fact that an animal has got a right to exist and to live mm-hmm. without being without being treated cruelly
0: so if you were to come to my school Mm-hmm. would you like stay there for a few days or you just go there for one
1: I would, day we normally come in and we do uh, life. we normally work with the life skills class in your life skills classes sometimes we work with um, numeracy sometimes we work with literacy i do literacy programs at libraries where we teach children to read because if you're oh, teaching wow. them to read you're empowering them but we only teach them to read about animals we only uh, use animal-related stories so that they can they can build up an affection feel, for an yeah, animal. Okay. And numeracy programs, we do speech and drama, um, we do dance programs, we do art programs, we do sport programs, with wow. everything being related back to the need for an animal to be cared for. I mean, wow. what, is, what, what do we know? We know that we may not go to sleep unless we are fed our animal. companion animal. Yeah. Mm. So it's not like that in all creeds. So uh, we're dealing with people from from any religion, um, any background, um, any ethnic group. So we we work with them, we work with their teachers to try and promote this type of thing. Oh, wow. Mm.
0: So do you own any dogs? If so, did you make them, like, train them yourself?
1: Well, when we were in the old studio, (laughs) I used to bring my dogs in when I did interviews and I have got five dogs and they all work with me they're all trained and they work with me and they, they work with me in the business um, when I go in to teach children about empathy I always bring one of the dogs in with them when I'm teaching people how to avoid being bitten by a dog I have a dog with to show them what signals the dog will give so yeah I've got two Belgian Malinois I've got one Belgian Grunendal I've got a miniature Australian Shepherd and I've got a French Bulldog and then I've got two cats wow Mm.
0: So, if you have two cats, wouldn't the dogs fight with them?
1: Why should they? If they've been socialized together? I mean, if you are put in with somebody that is... mm, Let's try and find something that's totally different to you. If you were, as a young child, if somebody brought in a young chimpanzee and you'd never been exposed to it before, but you spent time with it, why would you think, because it was a a different... Being to you Why would you think You had to be aggressive with it People have A a preconceived idea About dogs and cats Yes there are dogs That are naturally aggressive to cats Hunting dogs are Because they don't know That's a cat They think it's a small creature They must hunt But if you integrate them together And you bring them up To have respect for each other It's not a problem My dogs and my cats All curl up together My one dog licks my cat And cleans him Cleans his ears for him Mm.
0: That's so cute So, we're going to put a song on and we'll be right back. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, For Kids, By Kids. My name is Rinal Silverstone and I am 11 years old. I have Michelle Mullen Studio with me. If you have any questions for her, you can send me an SMS to 34519 or you can WhatsApp to 061 895 1019. Or you can call on 10 3020 Let's carry on with the questions. If you put two male dogs together, will they fight? If so, how do you prevent this?
1: Well, it would in, it would depend if they were what we call entire dogs. In other words, if, if they hadn't been neutered, if if they hadn't been desexed. Because remember that um, an animal that has been desexed, in other words, it can't breed is less likely to be aggressive than an animal that hasn't. So with male dogs, we have what is testosterone, which is basically the male, all males carry testosterone. And when they get to a certain age, from about nine months onwards, they get this whole surge of aggressive testosterone, like young boys in the school grounds, when they start pushing each other's shoulders around. And then they are likely to fight. However, if they're introduced properly, if they've grown up together, um, then the chances are fairly good that they might push each other around a bit, like two brothers would, to see who's going to be, you know, the big, the the, yeah. the most dominant brother than the other one. Um, but what we would normally recommend, if you're going to have two male dogs on the same property, is that they should preferably be desexed because you don't. Your big issue is if they're not, and there's a female who isn't desexed in the area, they will jump walls to go and find her. Mm-hmm. And that is going to cause aggression and it's going to cause problems with dogs running in the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can have two male dogs together. We can integrate them. We can teach them to play nicely. However, there are factors, physical factors that we can do nothing about that can create a problem.
0: Uh, I see. So it, does the same apply with female dogs?
1: You will quite often get two female dogs, start competing. If, let's say, for example, your hyenas and your wild dogs. Only the dominant female in that pack has puppies.
0: That's true. Okay,
1: so think about that now you've got two domestic dogs at home and one of them has to be top dog. If, however, they were de-sexed females, then they don't have to worry about this competing from a hormonal level of of, um, I want to be the one to have the puppies. No, I want to be the one to have the puppies. So if nobody's going to have the puppies, we're not going to have the tension, are we?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, if someone owns two or more different animals, will they fight, and how do you prevent it if they will fight?
1: Well, when you say different animals, are you talking about different species, or, or, well, or for example, a German Shepherd and a Labrador, or no, how,
0: like a dog and a parrot, something like that? Well,
1: you know, if <laughs> parrots are different things altogether, remember a parrot. Um, It's like a mixed bird, (laughs) and and avian, the avians um, have got a highly developed brain, and especially the parrots, your your, um, you know, the parrots, the 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 um, budgerigars, all of those birds, the ones that can talk, have got a highly developed brain, and they can think, and they can normally, their thinking process is up to about the equivalent of a ten-year-old child. Sometimes their reasoning ability as well. So if the dog and the parrot are well integrated and the dog is discouraged from getting, trying to physically play with that bird and the bird is discouraged from teasing the dog, because I've seen this quite often, the bird will come down and pull at the dog's tail or the the bird will learn how you call the dog. So it'll um, go, yeah. go around the corner and go, Fido, come here! And the dog comes running and there's nobody there. The dog gets frustrated. After a while, the dog realizes it's the bird He has to release his frustration. You can release your frustration by maybe banging something or Or, shouting or whatever. Or squeezing a pillow. (laughs) Exactly. The dog doesn't. So what is the dog going to do? He's going to look for what irritated him. And he's going to take his frustration out on that. So yes, they can if you logically integrate them and you encourage the bird not to tease the dog. And you encourage the dog not to chase the the, the bird. um, And maybe feed them together. Feeding Feeding can be something that creates competition or it can create unity. Um, It all depends. If one animal is greedy and wants the other one's food, it's going to create a problem because there's competition for the food. However, if they're together and you're feeding the parrot fruit and you're feeding the dog dog food, um, quite often the parrot will learn that it can play with the dog by feeding it dog food. And I've seen this where the parrot will go and open up the dog food container and bring it out and feed it to the dog and they become great friends
0: that's quite cute mm. <laughs> so how long have you been a dog behaviorist
1: wow well I've worked with animals I've worked with animals for 49 years whoa okay. <laughs> I've worked with animals and I love doing it um, but I qualified as a behaviorist I think it was about probably 20 years ago, or maybe a bit less, I'm not 100% sure, but I've always worked with animals. I was in the police working with with dogs and horses, I've been in the military working with dogs, um, and I've worked with various animal welfares all over South Africa.
0: Oh, wow. So, is it good to put your dog in winter clothes in winter?
1: (laughs) Well, it depends on the dog. If the dog's got a very fluffy coat... He's got a double coat. It should keep him warm enough. If I ever it's a dog with a very thin skin and very thin coat, like an Italian greyhound or a whippet or a dog that you've shaved, mm. then obviously the dog is going to get cold. But I think we've got to look at it logically. A dog is a dog. And if you're going to dress him up as the ice princess, maybe he's going to feel a bit embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if you're going to put clothing on a dog, make sure it's appropriate. Um, I have seen people dress up dogs in ballet outfits and and that poor dog isn't quite sure what to do with it because, you know, he is actually a dog. So a little jacket is fine um, if it's cold enough. But other than that, no, I don't think it's a good idea. I've seen dogs dressed up as Puff the Magic Dragon (laughs) and they haven't been very happy with this long tail behind them because you wouldn't like to be dressed up as... As something you didn't understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I think we've got to remember that that animals also have dignity. So, yeah, it's fine if the animal is getting cold. A dog that you can see shivering, put a jacket on him, but make sure it's a dog jacket. Yeah. Mm.
0: So with huskies, a lot of people take them out of the cold because I heard that they're supposed to be in the cold. but. (laughs) is it good that they take them into the world?
1: well yes if the, the dog is probably quite happy he would love to play outside when it's cool but i don't think he'd want to be left outside all the time remember that the dogs that are bre- that yes a husky has been bred to work in cold conditions to pull a sled that's what he was developed for and bred for okay yeah. um, however if you are in South Africa, if you're in a place where it gets terribly cold, like Sunderland, where it's minus two, oh, wow. I don't think it's particularly um, good to keep the dog outside. I would bring him inside, but I certainly wouldn't put a jacket on him then. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I would allow him to be in a place where he was out of the cold and the wind. But it's not a very, a lot of people shave their huskies and that's terrible because then the dog's coat can't control his body temperature. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, that mm. makes a lot of sense. mm. So how much can you teach a dog in a year?
1: No, the big thing is how much can you teach a dog in his critical period, and that is probably a four- to six-month period. That is the foundation of everything he will learn for the rest of his life. Well, so um, obviously the first thing you're going to do is teach him to have manners that fit in with your families. So, in other words, you don't want him to mess inside. You don't want him to bark too much. You want him to come on command. You want him to stay um, when you tell him to stay. Um, basic things like sit. And you want him to maybe pick up things for you and collect them. Like my, I've got a little dog that collects newspaper every morning. It's, it's, so it's the happiest thing of his life. He runs out and he collects the newspaper and he comes back with it. It makes his year, makes him feel that he's very important and very yeah. clever. And so those are the basic things that I think all dogs should be taught because an animal without manners is as bad as a child without manners or an adult without manners, for that matter. And then after that, yes, you can add on. You can teach your dog to find a lost person. You can teach a dog to find your lost keys. You can teach the dog to detect if if somebody has tried to set a house alight. You can teach them... To find narcotics, you can teach them to find rhino horns. You can teach them to track poachers. You can teach a dog anything. You can even teach a dog to detect cancer. Whoa! <laughs> we can even train dogs to detect if somebody is going to have an epileptic seizure.
0: Ew. Or That's if their blood
1: pressure uh, sorry—if they—if uh, if, their—if their blood sugar level has dropped so that they have—they are having a diabetic um, attack. Attack. We have dogs that can scent that as well.
0: How would you train them to do that it's
1: quite it's quite involved and we normally train them from a very young age remember a dog's nose is its most powerful organ and it can smell the changes in your skin if you've got if you're diabetic when when your sugar levels drop or they raise the scent on your skin changes the yeah. same if you're going to have a seizure and the dog the dog will pick that up and we teach the dog to indicate to you that there is a problem and then you know the dog now touches you in a certain way, now you know I need to get my insulin. Or if, you, if you're a person who is now um, susceptible to seizures, you know you've got to get yourself into a safe place. Lie down and the dog will lie over you to cover your body and protect you while you're having the seizure. Wow. Mm.
0: That's Amazing, like something that you yep. don't find too often. We,
1: we train them in South Africa. We don't do cancer dogs in South Africa, and Germany is the biggest country in the world that does cancer alert dogs. Oh, wow. Mm. So, like,
0: what achievements are you most proud of as a dog trainer?
1: I I've done a lot of court cases. I've been involved in a lot of court cases. I've been involved in a fair amount of Abuse cases against animals, and um, we won our cases, and oh, the people wow. got prosecuted. Unfortunately, in South Africa, the law doesn't do very much about because we have a lot of violent crime in this country, yeah. and because an animal is still classified as property, um, the sentencing isn't terribly harsh. But the point is, for every time we can we can prove that a person has done something wrong, and there is action by by the police and by the courts, maybe in time we can we can make it so severe that people will think twice before they abuse an animal. A lot of people take out their frustrations on an animal. So probably that and, and working with um, – I also have a trained hospice dog and I have worked in children's homes. And one of my proudest achievements was was actually at Sandringham Gardens, at Sandringham Lodge, where they had a young man who was an elective mute. He wouldn't talk at all. And I had a lovely dog um, that I was working at the time. And I came in with this dog, and he was looking at the dog. And the dog came over, and it sat next to him. And I spoke to the dog, and I said to the dog, the dog's name was Layla. And I said, Layla, have you made a new friend? And he looked at the dog, and the next moment he started singing a song by Eric Clapton called Layla. And that was the first time in three months they had heard him vocalize. So for me, that was fantastic. That this dog had got him to open his mouth and express himself. I think that was probably my proudest moment ever.
0: Oh, That's amazing. But for my
1: dog, because the dog did it, not me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. So why do dogs occasionally eat plants?
1: Because dogs are not true carnivores They're not true omnivores But they're not true carnivores They eat plant matter Think about carnivores that, Like your lions and leopard And wild dogs and hyena When they kill herbivores When they kill buck They quite often eat the stomach content What do those animals eat? They eat plants Mm -hmm. So the animal will look for plants For plant matter which is good for his own health so, so sometimes, and, but, but remember that a domesticated dog is sometimes a bit stupid because he's not a wild dog, his instincts aren't as good. So he might eat plants that are toxic to him. We've got a lot of house plants like ferns, which are toxic to dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So sometimes a dog will not realize that the plant is toxic and he'll eat it. But quite often he's eating it out of curiosity and taste appeal and because his species does naturally eat grass.
0: Mm, yeah. So, so can dogs eat plants if they're not feeling well? Does yes, it help quite
1: them? often. You'll see a dog eating grass, and shortly after that, he'll throw up because it helps irritate his stomach lining and his throat, which makes him vomit. So, it's, you can put your finger down your throat if you're feeling if you know you've eaten yeah. something nasty and you can make yourself vomit. How can a dog put his paw down his throat? He can't. So he will eat grass that will irritate his throat, the same as us putting our finger down, and that will make him vomit.
0: Oh, wow. That's cool. How would you know if a dog is sick?
1: Well, he wouldn't behave the way he normally does. He will be very lethargic. He'll just want to lie down, or he might keep on moving. In other words, he's not going to act the way he normally behaves. He's going to act abnormally. Okay, so if it's a dog that's normally very quiet he might become quite restless and boisterous. If he's a dog that's very boisterous, he might become very, very quiet. Quite often they won't want to eat their food and they might not want to drink. And sometimes they'll they'll go, "Mm, mm, mm," and they will bite at places on their body to show that there's pain. Oh, I see.
0: So, when is a dog too old to be trained?
1: Well, you know that... People have got the silly belief that one year um, in human years is seven years in dog years. It's not true. How it works is the smaller the dog, the longer he lives. The bigger the dog, the shorter he lives, okay, because his heart is that much larger, etc. So if we were to take a Great Dane, a Great Dane at eight years is an old dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whereas if you were to take... Um, a Maltese at eight years, he's not an old dog, not at all. He's like in the equivalent of his thirties, okay? He's an, mature, he's an adult. So it all depends on the size and the breed of the dog. So as soon as we classify that dog as now reaching the end of its adulthood, that it's very difficult to train that dog because like elderly people...
0: This has been High Kids, Four Kids, by Kids. My name is Ronel Sosa and I am 11 years old. Thank you to my guests for coming on High Kids, and thank you to my producer Mandy and DJ Flo for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another High Kids show, only on 101.9 High FM. Goodbye, kids, and have a good week.